Welcome to episode one of The Scale Up. In this show, I'm joined by Michael Fair, Operations Director from BIT Resourcing. Michael shares some very honest and frank insights into things to consider when you're looking to scale your agency, ensuring you've got the right pillars and the right people around about you as you get ready to ramp up. He also shares the importance that running has played, not only from a mental health perspective, but also from a business perspective as well. This is a really nice, honest and frank insight into Michael as a person, and there's some great takeaways in this show. Hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone, and uh, welcome to episode one of The Scale Up. Uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by Michael Fair from uh, BIT. Uh, For those of you that don't know Michael, I'll let him give uh, give a wee bit of an introduction. Yeah, of course. So I'm Michael Fair, and Operations Director at BIT. Uh, We have a a team of... uh, 20 plus specialist IT and change management recruiters. Uh, BIT is based in the central belt of Scotland, but we work our roles across the UK. We peaked at probably 30 staff last year, uh, but consolidated unfortunately due to COVID. uh, And now we're starting to kind of see a big increase in roles and hopefully we'll be ramping back up um, later this year. I started in recruitment when I was 17, uh, fell into it, went along to an interview uh, thinking it was the end client, didn't know what agency was, was told this is agency, not the actual interview. Um, that was interesting. So that was my first exposure to a recruitment company. Um, I'm a lover of all things tech, science fiction, space, Star Trek and Star Wars. I love people that know the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> really makes me happy. And yeah, that's me. And uh, you said you got into the industry at 17. Um, how many years ago yeah. was that? What, 14 years? Clearly, yeah. it's, clearly, the industry's been kinder to you than it has been to me then, Michael. That's I don't just... know, it's these glasses. I'm hiding <laughs> half my face, you see. The wrinkles, the uh, the crow feet. That are, uh, where it's, uh... Aye. I can't believe it. It actually, honestly, flies in, goes so quickly, um, you know, from, from agency. Uh, it just, yeah, every month you think you've got this massive target to get to, and then it's like 14 years later. <laughs> so, you know? you know? You're only as good as your last one as well, aren't you? That's the that's the thing. All right. Yeah. I've got that tattooed on my back. <laughs> and how have you? Uh, and how have you found the whole? I uh, don't want to dwell on it too much, right? But how have you mm-hmm. found the whole lockdown side of things? So I found it quite challenging. Um, for people that know me, uh, I run quite a lot. Uh, I now call myself a runner. My fiance Lucy's always like, "You're a runner," and I'm like, "I'm not a runner." Um, but for example, last month, like I set challenges to run like 100 miles, to do half marathons, to run my first marathon last year. Um, but I've done it as a kind of necessity and not as a as a want, you know, to kind of, I'm a very people person, like meeting people, going for lunches, dinners, drinks, you know, it comes all part of the job. Um, and I've not had the chance to do that like everybody. Uh, so always me, but yeah, definitely yeah, been tough. It's you know? hard. It's hard, I think, especially when I think by default, everyone that works in this industry, we're all quite social people, right? We like being around mm-hmm. people, we like dealing with people. So um, it, it's a tough one, certainly. If we rewind the clock back a bit, like, um, and just think about where you started in the industry and the evolution as to where you are now, what's the what's the one thing you wish you'd known when you began your career? A very good question. There's many things I wish I could uh, have known and went back and done. Um, I suppose if I can take two, uh, mm-hmm. if that's all right. I mean, the first thing would be don't take things personally. Um, like a really good phrase is water off a duck's back. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm quite an emotional guy. Um, and 
sometimes in recruitment it can be difficult dealing with um the stress the strains the kind of highs and lows of recruitment you don't have to kind of let that in uh you know you kind of choose what you make a problem or you choose what you kind of see as something that's difficult and challenging it's kind of your perception of reality of what you make of that it's taken me 10 years to learn that so if you're just starting recruitment or getting into it um it does take a lot of time to kind of build that thicker skin you don't want to have thick enough skin that you don't care about what you're doing but you do need to kind of have some kind of um something there to kind of get through the highs and lows um, and keep yourself in a good headspace when it comes to, to recruitment the second thing i would say is that i spent probably five years at the start of recruitment thinking uh looking at leaders and looking at managing directors and looking at ceos and thinking i'm not that person how do i become like them how, you know how can i make how can i become like them how can i get their job and and even trying to like uh adapt myself to try and change myself to be like these people um a really good example of this is a, a lady called elizabeth holmes and um, there's a, a big um there's a startup called theranos in silicon valley and she used to change her voice and make it deeper um and she was caught quite a lot of times going out of character and speaking very high pitched and she did it to try and obviously sound herself more alpha uh you know people would listen to someone like that there's always kind of different traits and stuff to look at um but the advice that i would take is that don't you know don't take things too seriously yeah. uh, you don't have to be um you don't have to act like not you you know be you act in a certain way take snippets from people from leaders learn from them but definitely always kind of stay true to who you are without sounding too cheesy. Oh, um, and that's something I wish I'd, I'd known. I totally get that. And I think like, yeah, it's about taking, yeah, I'm similar to that. It's taking the best bits from each, like, folk you've learned from and you still be yourself and mold that into it. So I'm, I'm a fan of that. Um, but um, big one for me here, and, and not a lot of people um, necessarily like talking about this side of things, but see mm -hmm. today, mate, what would you say has been your, your biggest failure and, and what have you learned from it? It's like rolling over and being like, here. <laughs> uh, I mean, we all have fail failures in life. There's so much content just now out there on Instagram and LinkedIn and out there in the big bad world about um, nothing's a failure. It's a learning opportunity. Uh, but this one, I mean, basically making an assumption. Uh, so I'm quite an energetic person, quite an excitable person, an enthusiastic person, uh, you know, kind of cup half full kind of guy. And to my detriment, um, I basically had a client at one point in my career, I won't say when, call in with a number of contract roles, uh, very enthusiastically, it was a consultancy. Uh, so the call in, need 20 contractors, Michael, 14 devs, six testers, whatever it is. Um, and what I would say the biggest mistake would be is not correctly qualifying that opportunity or that project of work. And what that means is it's kind of rushing off the phone we're giving it to you and one other agency and i'm like fantastic let's go let's get off everyone round up the guys let's start sourcing this requirement um and off the back of that uh they hadn't had a statement of work an sow an agreement from the end client that that work was signed off so again contingent work versus exclusivity with agency and a b and c clients etc so michael day waded down the garden path <laughs> drums are rolling got leave work in and unfortunately it didn't come to anything but i definitely remember it uh, and i definitely know now uh, i knew then as well i think i just got excited well too many coffees on that day but really uh, making assumptions but also qualifying uh, to the nth degree regardless of the opportunity regardless of the size and regardless of the agency before you got it yesterday take your time qualify it get a call get a video call 
especially if it's a big project. That's yeah. really some advice, uh, and I bet you've not made that mistake again since. Never again. Nope. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah. and see, like, I mean, did you did you fall into recruitment? Like, was it? Yeah, pretty much. Aye. So I went. I mean, actually, the agency uh, that I interviewed. So I, my first job was in a law firm um, for six months. Uh, didn't enjoy it. Wasn't for me. But. Um, the agency that hired me to go into that law firm had a job six months later. I then applied for and then went and worked for the agency um, ah. that I'd met first off. So, yeah, they got me into it. Okay, cool. And, like, what advice would you give to someone if they were, like, wanting to get like pursue a career in recruitment? Because I think everyone – I've not spoken to one person, I don't think, over the years who said – recruitment's a career for me, that's what I want to get into. Like most people kind of fall into it, but what advice would you give to folk that want to actually pursue it as a career? Run like the wind. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, I mean, it's a job that can be very rewarding. Uh, me, myself, again, I love helping people, especially people that maybe really need the help. And, and COVID has, has given many, many examples of that. I mean, I would say that it's been very challenging for some people, um, but having that desire to help people um, I suppose kind of working with people, engaging with people, and having the ability to kind of build rapport. Yeah. So it's all. It's, it was obviously it's a very much a people job. Yeah. Um, but being but being real with people and being authentic. I mean, back to kind of like the, the example that I used at the start, being professional. Um, I mean, there's being professional, and then I suppose there's kind of like trying to put a little bit of an act on. You know, suited and booted wow. young Michael recruiter. If I could go back and give him a, what are you up to? Yeah. You know, be authentic, be you, people engage with that. If you're real with them, they'll be real with you. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, throughout like lockdown, like for example, like I've been on the phone to clients, you know, I was on the phone an hour last week with a client um, talking about building a kit car. You know, uh-huh. like just being authentic, you'll get so much more out of it. Um, yeah. You know, showing interest in what they're getting involved in, they show an interest in you and that's how you build rapport and build relationships. So if you enjoy working with people um, from all walks of life, um, then you'll be grand. But taking the time to spend with people, even if you might not get something from it straight away, um, it come honestly that it comes back. Like people have place in developer roles and their heads of development, and you know, over time it all comes back. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think sometimes being a, a a leader or a business owner or you know of, of a, a company can be it can sometimes be quite a, a lonely place. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of development as well, and and like looking to get better, what's the what's the best resources that um, that have helped you along the way? Would you say? Uh, I would say the guys at BIT. I mean, for example, we've got a uh, Freddie Kid. He's like twenty plus years IT recruitment experience. Our CEO Gareth, twenty years. Nicola Kelly, our MD, twenty years. Stuart Alexander, um, ops manager in Edinburgh. You know, twenty years. Yeah. Um, these guys are pillars. I mean, we're going to talk about that, obviously, in the scale-up, I'm sure, questions, but having that foundation, those pillars for an agency, um, has been a fantastic learning experience for me and always learning. You know, you can't literally cover everything in recruitment or in IT. It's always changing. There's always new frameworks coming out or new tech coming out. So it's always evolving. You need to learn about it. If there's one thing that I would recommend, you know, if you're an IT agency, um, you know, working across the UK, there is a really good platform called Social Talent. Um, it's run by a guy called Johnny Campbell, the CEO. I think I was using it back in my days of uh, of pair temps and you know, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, they had that platform out, but it's literally now got thousands of hours of content on it. 
Um, and what it does is creates learning paths for the guys. So everyone in BIT has all done this level, this level, you know, so everyone's operating at the same level. And what that gives the agency is that regardless of what client is coming in or where they're engaging the company about what door they're opening, so what person they're dealing with, they're getting some kind of similar level of experience and knowledge um, when engaging. So definitely checking out social talent. Uh, I've not got a voucher for them. Uh, <laughs> checking out social talent. Um, but also most recently as well, like books and stuff like that. David Goggins, Master Your Mind, amazing. Yeah. Um, I guess you know, there's a chap called John on this just now that's, that's watching uh-huh. that. Sure, if he's not read that one, he'll like it because he's right into his fitness. Oh, really? It's uh, oh, it's amazing. David Goggins, Jesse Isler. So Jesse Isler's a millionaire. Uh, the book's called um, Living with a Seal, um, and that is David Goggins that he hires to come live with him for a month. Again, Matthew Syed, Black Box Thinking um, is all around um, uh, the NHS and doctors and the kind of fear of failure and passing on information and learning from mistakes. Yeah, really, really I good. Read and that one. If I could... Formula Sorry? One. Formula One fan, mate. I've read that one because he talks a bit about. I'm right into the yeah. F1. He talks a bit about how like the marginal gains and and, uh, and it's really really good. Read that. I'm a fan. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's the thing with agencies and things. I mean, looking at like if things go wrong, like yeah, we've made a mistake or something's wrong. How do we correct it? How do we fix it? How do we make sure it doesn't happen again? And that's that book in a whole. You know, it literally is just like learn from mistakes. Um, don't just ignore them. Um, and the final one I really enjoyed was like uh, the Phoenix Project um it's three, three different guys and it's basically it's, if you're doing it um it's basically a story about a guy called bill who becomes a uh, vp of it uh, within a company and it's the struggles against developers and infrastructure support um and how infra- how developers are always using up all the project time and then just chucking the deployable code to infrastructure they've never got any time to deploy it and yeah it basically explains how dysfunctional it teams work together and how to solve those problems. And it's really good for any IT recruiters out there that want to learn more about the IT teams and how they work together. Big great resources, mate. Like yeah. if, anyone, <laughs> if that's brilliant. Like if anyone's listening in, like I would check check those out. Maybe see if Emily can drop the links into some of them. Social talent, yeah, brilliant. So does everyone that work for BIT then, like as they're progressing, they upskill through the social talent courses yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. It's a great resource for folk to check out as well if they're looking for professional development stuff across their teams um really good so um like as i know like we follow each other on strava you're a hurricane cyclist um yeah. how did you like what how did you get into it and, and what's it what's it done for you i mean i got really fat i got to 16.2 stone uh so i moved so i moved to sterling i was from edinburgh and i moved to sterling uh, with my fiance like three almost four years ago actually now lockdown now four years ago uh Went to like four stag do's in a year, was drinking a lot, put a lot of weight on, eating loads. Um, and it happened to my mate Fraser Kerr as well. Um, and he then signed up for a 10k uh, in Musselburgh, in Edinburgh, like two, three years ago. And he's like, do you want to do it with me? And I was like, oh yeah, okay then. Didn't know it would involve lots of training, 5k runs and stuff like that. Um, hardest thing I've ever done. But something happened when I crossed the finishing line at that 10k. You know, after doing the runs, after him knocking on my door and dragging me out and being like, we're going the 5K run tonight. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go. You know, dragging me out. Something clicked after that 10K. I think I actually almost cried. I don't mind saying it. I mean, I ran the 10K, finished it, and it was like a sense of achievement. Yeah. And I was just like, how have I done this? How have I managed this? I mean, I was red. I was sweating. My body was not happy with me. But, you know, how did I manage to achieve this 10K? It was over an hour. Uh, It took me, but I did it. And I was just like over the moon. And it was, I just caught the bug. 
Yeah. Um, and then chase that feeling <laughs> for yeah. the last two years, you know. And so, and mentally, like, has it had an impact? Yeah, completely. I mean, it keeps me. If I don't go running, I mean, I took two weeks off. I'll put a video up today. Actually, I, put, I took two weeks off. So I did a hundred miles in January, um, running as a challenge. One I'd done similarly in August, um, and then I took two weeks off to kind of rest the body and stuff like that. I didn't do any exercise, and I just felt crap. Didn't feel great. Um, you know, just kind of negative, even just negative thinking, negative looking, um, stuck in a spiral. Um, not that I was like you know drinking every day and stuff like that. I was having a drink at the weekend. I hadn't smoked in like a year and I was picking up cigarettes again and started to smoke and there's just a path you don't want to go down each day you've got a decision to make and I was making the wrong one anyway but got back to running on Monday this week Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday feeling much better feeling more energetic I hate it when Joe Wick says it he says, like, he says this all the time he's like exercise and you'll have more energy and I'm like how can that be yeah it's so true uh do you know what I mean you exercise and you're not tired you're not sleepy you do get more energy from it so yeah yeah and what's the plans for that with this this year? Any any events, any virtual events, or anything booked in? Yeah. So also the rest is because uh, me and my mate Fraser are doing the four four forty eight challenge, um, which is on the fifth of March, and that involves um, that involves doing four miles every four hours for forty eight hours. Wow. Uh, yeah. So we start twelve o'clock on Friday the fifth, and we'll finish um, at eight am on Sunday. The seventh. Amazing, mate. And uh, yeah. like, would you say it's had an like professionally, like I mean, uh, performance-wise and stuff like that? Would you say it's had an impact? I think it makes you do things. Like if you're putting stuff off, um, Audrey's got a really good uh, <clears throat> a good value. It's like take the pain first or something like that, or do things. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Take the pain. You know what I mean? Do that. Like I think it just changes your mentality. Like end of the night, there's dishes there. And honestly, notice that it's the funniest thing in the world. I'm out doing in the morning, but then when I'm running or when I'm, you know, more enthusiastic and kind of like feeling more upbeat about about uh, about the world, about work and stuff like that, like you just get things done. You're like, I'll just do it now. I think that is just a different take. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you find that with your cycling, your yeah. just attitude towards things just shifts. I actually you know? feel terrible if I don't do it for a few days. Like I actually feel lethargic, uh, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it had a massive impact on, on from a mental perspective. Wake up in the morning, the alarm goes off, and you're ready to get out of bed straight away. There's no snoozing, there's no rolling over. You've just got that, like you say, that you end up with mm-hmm. a lot more energy. So um, yeah, but you train in a much more cooler named location than me. Oh, I don't call this out, are you? You've done it live, haven't you? Yes, we're talking about this in the green room before we come on, weren't we? So yes, I train in the garage. It's now no longer called the garage. What's it called, Michael? I can't remember. It was the paint something. What was it? Cave. Yes, the pain cave. The pain cave. Yeah, yeah. I think that's hilarious. Just opening the door and seeing you in there. Sit. <laughs> so, um, from that's a, awesome. From your um, career's perspective, then about like, mm-hmm. um, who's influenced you along the way? I guess is what I, what I want to know. Like, I mean, I have to shout out to David Goggins. I'm sorry. I know it's like. It's just been the, the first thing that I've actually read that's clicked with me uh, around the guy being just a pure machine, Navy SEAL. You know, he holds the world pull-up record. He's run 100 miles in 24 hours. Um, just the single biggest impact for me, like reading that book. And I think it was like, you can get on Audible, it's like nine hours long. But which what the human body can achieve. And it just keeps talking about getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and, you know, getting off the beaten path and stuff like that. And it just really resonated with me. And, yeah, I think that's been the single biggest change that's going to happen to me is reading that. It sounds so silly, doesn't it? Reading that book. Yeah. Um, 
But given me three, I mean, there's also uh, a shout to Gareth Biggerstaff, our CEO. Uh, so Gareth hired me back like seven, eight years ago. Um, uh, and just the, the way the guy operates, uh, the way he navigates with clients, uh, the way he knows his market, the way he works in his market, um, just always inspired me. And that's how I made the move to BIT initially. Um, so no, a fantastic guy. Um, and then I suppose like, I don't know, a third one's a third one's probably difficult. Maybe like my dad or someone. And I yeah. kind of say that my dad uh, lost both his parents when he was quite young. He had three kids. Um, he was an electrician um, and he retrained uh, to work in infrastructure services. Hence my passion for IT. He uh-huh. loves tech, Star Trek, Star Wars. You know, I was building PCs with him yeah. um, when I was young, putting motherboards in graphics cards, you know, hard drives, raiding them. Like, you know, I can build a PC and I don't know now, but he just kind of turned on my curiosity and also my way to like fault find things mm-hmm. and just be curious. Um, I think I owe that to him and I think he just smashed it when he was younger, you know, a difficult time yeah. uh, they lived through. So he'd be my uh, third. I love that. So although you fell into recruitment, you kind of found your calling in the end and it was sort of linked back to, to, to what happened. Yeah. That's cool. Um, no, totally. What, what would you say that the, is the most, um, is the, the one common myth that people have about recruitment that you think needs to be debunked? It's all done by computers these days. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's it's everywhere just now. I mean, if we look at like uh, the Turing test, uh, and there's so much on LinkedIn about AI, artificial intelligence, and recruiters are they're not even reading your CV anymore. You know, um, I don't know who's saying this. <laughs> I don't know whose voice that is either. That I'm kind of putting out there, but it's not the case. Like, I mean, an example is there's a guy uh, that was dealing with yesterday. A CV came in for a role that I'm advertising. Um, CV wasn't great at all. It actually ranked, you know, on our CRM, it ranks skills. So actually it does use keyword search and it'll rank you. But the guys will look at all the CVs and applications that come in regardless. Yeah. And um, they won't just discount because you've not matched higher on the scale. Um, the guy was actually perfect for the job. He just had a terrible CV. So actually after having a conversation with him, a call, a chat through, I was like, who did, you know, I'm not good at CVs. You know, the guy had a first, uh, a first class degree um, in software development. He'd built his own apps using Xamarin and C Sharp. Um, like he was a really knowledgeable, quite shy guy. And I was like, you're amazing. Uh, I was like, you've got the interviews happening. And he's like, no, none. I'm like, no wonder no one's phone. I was like, your CV. Um, so we've reworked the CV, redone it. I mean, the guy's getting interviews. So it's like, we're not there yet, but it is a, it is a myth that needs uh, that needs to be debunked. Yeah. You know, it's not a uh, machine learning, maybe um, with the skills <laughs> analysis and stuff like that. But the AI stuff's definitely not. I hope not. I'm thinking that would be the, 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 the day that a, a computer can hold a conversation with a human being and that human thinks that they're speaking to another human. I don't think we're, we're not quite there yet, are we? Yeah, yeah. Forward to uh, it, like, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, so, um, oh, there's an interesting question coming in from John, actually. So he's posed the question there. So see, when you started to grow BIT um, mm-hmm. and start to scale and when you're going to as well, did you take on in groups of recruiters or do you hire one at a time? It's a great question. So I think it depends on the organization. I mean, it depends on the client base they've got, number of roles they're getting in, where the strengths lie in their pillars. Like, as I said, BIT was very, um, I suppose, consultative about hiring experienced recruiters at the start of our journey. You know, so people that joined BIT were 20 years plus. So we had yeah. very strong pillars. I think sitting people next to those pillars, you know, learning by seeing, by hearing, et cetera, is important. Um, 
but there's also a method where you know the buddying system so putting you know a trainee or putting a resourcer next to someone who is very experienced um by location they should start to grow there has been times where we've done it one-off recruiting because we've had client wins um and there has been times where we have hired maybe two to three people at once but it's always been off the back of wins it's not been um i suppose what would you know 360 roles it's not been about bringing people in to go and then find business i think bid's always grown because of the level of people we've got in the business mm-hmm. the company's grown or we've you know we've grown um say territory for example you know grown out and then we've had to put people in to help kind of you know manage that growth um but it's never been a kind of case of hiring five people and saying you know go out and grow the market kind of thing does that make sense got you yeah, yeah. that's fine yeah that's great um, yeah. and just on that point actually you mentioned something about like this whole sort of like learning like the whole sort of learning by proxy um in terms of like being sat in the same office in the same room that's like that's, something that's, yeah. that's something that's starting to starting to disappear just now so um, how do you think do you think we should co- combat that because that is something something that i've had all through my own career and it's been like yeah. the nuances of something or michael said this and, and john said that i'll let take that and shape it into what i do how, how, yeah. are, we, how are we going to overcome that challenge do you think i think it is a massive challenge and i mean i really feel people that are coming at university uh, doing apprenticeships you know it's just going to be so challenging even for like developers um for a junior dev or someone coming to code clan for example it's really difficult um to them to get something i don't have the answer for it i mean for, for example in bit you know with, with clients etc you can take people onto calls with you while you take their requirements you know go through specs go through company details etc and you can have them there to ask some questions and learn in that sense through ms teams and i've done that with some of the guys but they're all fairly experienced anyway for new people coming in it is going to be challenging and it's going to be i mean i can't see how they can take the office away um i mean for for example bit will definitely have flexibility like we've had for the last seven years but i do think i mean for, for that kind of level i do think you need to have like a day a week two days a week you're going in you're having training days or you're having kind of like um culture building days as well because you need to keep companies together very dispersed at the moment how are you keeping culture and values and mission statements all together and kind of sealed up um and i think a lot of companies are thinking right well how are we going to do this kind of um remote working going forward and trying to put plans in place but the savings and the potential of savings obviously not having 10 offices across the uk or you know things are just going to shift and change slowly as we come out of this you know i think there's going to be a bit of a change on the tech side as well so there's a, there's a couple of businesses out there like so um, a company called gong that um that they uh, listen to and transcribe calls from a coaching perspective it's used quite a lot in SaaS. if you're managing a mm-hmm. SaaS, you're like 50 50 account execs or something like that and you don't have enough time to sit down and listen back to like everyone's calls like you can create certain cues and flags and stuff so it would like alert to like alert a manager and say okay this person's been talking about this you might want to listen to this four minutes of their call and mm-hmm. um, i think like that text that text not really used that much in recruitment but i think it's yeah. definitely going to start to transfer like transfer over if the teams continue to be um mm-hmm. like distributed and, and dotted about it's Certainly, it'll be so, yeah, it'll be so strange though saying, you know, hi, Candidate, uh, we've got this job. By the way, John, Stephen, and Malcolm are also on this call. Are you okay for them listening? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, that's yeah. never, never going to go down. Um, yeah. So, but on the scaling side, then, like I, I speak to, I'm 
speak to agency owners every day and there's mm-hmm. this part of like there's this ceiling in recruitment of like the round about the 10 head mark some businesses do that you know up to that 10 heads they drop down again they try and get through that ceiling and they, they struggle um what advice if someone's watching this or listening back to the podcast what advice would you give to someone who aspires to grow their agency uh, but struggles to sort of break through that sort of barrier yeah i don't know how useful it is i mean but it's it's having the strong pillars there like looking at BIT again as the example, you know, Freddie, Stuart, Gareth, Nick, um, Alma when she was there, these are guys that were all 20 years plus, you know, and, and bringing, it was like kind of break, bringing kind of titans together. Um, and then as they hired people with like five years experience, what is it they say? There's a, the phrase is like, you're the, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It just raises the bar. Um, a lot of companies, you know, have policies or you know, internal We'll, we'll promote internally, etc. I think that's good when you get to a certain level and you're kind of encouraging people to kind of develop and grow an organisation. But I think at the start of the company or the start of the organisation as you're going through, it's important to get the right people. Um, and if it does mean spending a bit more money, you're going to get a lot of a lot of benefits from it. You know, from hiring more experienced people into the team. Um, but thinking as well about how how is your setup in the organisation. Do you have a really strong consultant? Could you benefit from, you know, plugging a resource into the back of them? You won't get 200% out of that, but you may get 150, 160%. Is the people divided by 120, 240, 360 roles? So they're just doing sourcing. Are they doing sourcing account management? Are they doing the full booner? Um, yeah. Because if they're really, really good at sales and they're really good at bringing people in and they're maybe not sending so many CVs out, could you just have someone supporting them and they go out and do more client wins and interact with people and kind of, you know, build rapport with those clients and have real conversations this isn't about kpis and metrics it's about having real conversations with real people and growing their personal brand within your company that's really important just now and that will really help your company expand you know i don't know if i answered the question there i sometimes go out on my no, ramble but yeah no that's really good and do you, do you think like the future of the larger agencies is to are they going to move away from the 360 side of things do you think I don't know. Like, I mean, it's it's interesting to look at different different countries around the world, like in the states and stuff. How they've got, you know, you deal with a client, or you deal with a candidate. Um, but I think it depends on the individual agency as well. Um, it, it's where, where the strengths lie. I mean, because you can get people who aren't maybe so good with the client interaction, and they're really, really, really strong with candidates. Um, and I mean, just sourcing machines, and there's a few of them in BIT. I won't name them. I guess we but honestly, there's some such talented people in BIT, and they're good at this area. Maybe not so strong in that, and we don't kind of force. We play to people's strengths, you know. Um, key one, mate, isn't it? You've hit the nail on the head. There is like play to the team's strengths. If you've got someone that's amazing at amazing at resourcing or bringing on business, like get them to own that part of the process. Yeah, no, completely. It's uh, yeah. Um, I've got a left field one for you here, mate, as well. Okay, if, um, uh-huh. if you could step into my shoes, um, what would you have asked yourself that I haven't asked you? Oh, my God. That's such a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I would probably be something like, what's my past accomplishments and what I'm proud of? Um, uh, something like that. Uh, I mentioned we were in the kind of green room about the about running my first marathon, my first solo marathon. So I was set up to do the Edinburgh Marathon last year. Didn't happen. So I just got up one Saturday morning and, uh, no, it was Sunday morning for the kilt walk. And instead of doing it over the weekend, I just went and ran a marathon on the Sunday. It took me four hours, 54 minutes. Uh, it was painful. It was the mental endurance of it all. But I went and got it done. Um, and yeah, that's something I've uh, put up there as one of something I'm proud of. 
Love it. That's great, mate. That's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, lastly, for me, what what did last year teach you? Would you say the last twelve months? What have they What have they taught you as a, as a from a business perspective and also a personal perspective? I suppose, kind of from uh, a business. I mean, business and personal taught me how important exercise is to keep myself uh kind of on top of my game to keep me going and to keep me kind of well oiled and moving yeah. um i just think it's a very challenging time for a lot of people um it taught me patience as well you don't know how someone else's day how they've how how their day's been um how they're feeling just now and i think just taking taking my time and slowing down the conversations with clients and candidates to ask them how they are how they're coping um and i very just like fr- friendly and authentic way yeah. um you know because we're speaking to clients and i don't have any kids just now but i mean i can imagine it's challenging in the house especially with the nurseries closed and schools and stuff i mean i think with that atmosphere in here the message doesn't uh and one day i hope to but um yeah you just don't know what they're, what they're going through you know so i think it kind of taught me patience and really to kind of empathy so put myself in other people's shoes quite a bit yeah Brilliant, mate. That's awesome. Well, I just want to say a massive big thanks for you taking the time out today. I want to say thanks to everyone that's come online and joined us as well. It's really, really appreciated. Um, Michael, you've been a star. Thanks so much for, for joining us in episode one. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. All the best. Have a good one. Cheers. Thanks, thanks. everyone. Bye. Bye.